Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. Sorry about the delay, but we got a little bit busy and time just kind of ran out and I wasn't able to have any opportunity to actually record myself. But I do have something for you guys and it actually kind of has four points, which is very unusual for me. I usually don't have points, something that my wife doesn't like because I don't preach that way either. Um, just not my normal thing and a lot of times because i'm always debating talking and dealing with my sermons that i set up and a lot of times sometimes i've had it where it's changed within like a few days before i was going to speak so i kind of well anyway i kind of had one idea and i was going in one direction and then suddenly yesterday god kind of changed my perspective and what i want to talk about and it is towards men mostly with with the concept of men but i can see how it could still kind of connect to women so any of you women who are listening it would be still good for you but let's get into this um the three points i'm going to be talking about is how men are supposed to lead so you have leading by being loving leading by being an example leading by being humble and then leading by being a spiritual leader um I, I think these four concepts are very vital and i'm going to try to basically do two and two so the second half will be about the other two but we're going to start out about being loving and this is probably one of the hardest i, I would say one of the hardest points for men this is why i put it at first because i think it's something that especially in our culture we kind of teach men that being emotional is being feminine when in reality showing emotion is not being a feminine feminine is being female okay so if you're acting like a female it's different versus you know you stub your finger or jam your toe and you're crying because it hurts or your mom dies or your dog dies or you know you were dating someone for a long time and she broke up with you. That's not being effeminate. That's being realistic. It's being human. You have feelings. You're going to have sadness. I mean, even Jesus cried. And he's more manly than we can ever be. So the idea that we've been taught for decades that men don't cry, you need to show no emotion, you need to be tough all the time, is a lie. It does not mean we're not to be tough and not to lead and to be men because that's that's the other opposite we either the thing is i don't understand how humanity thinks but it's either we extreme to one end or we extreme to the other and we never just balance it out because we can't be that balanced and then I, I honestly think it's because of the curse or you know the sin nature that we just can never get to that point but anyway um one of the first things that came across my mind is how we should treat our wives. Um, now, all of you guys are going to be married. Some of you are going to be dating. Some of you may be single. How you treat a woman reflects a lot about how you're loving. So, we can't capulate the whole word of love in one definition. Love is not romance. Love is not being interest in a girl in a romantic way. We got to get that clear. Loving someone... I mean, 
the first two greatest commandments are love your love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So when they're saying love your neighbor, it doesn't mean romantically interested. Loving is basically you're putting yourself second to another person. So when we respect women and we honor women, you know, we're showing a form of love. It's respecting who they are, where they're at, even if you're not in a romantic relationship. You're showing love towards that person because you care about them. You're concerned about them. You pray for them. You, I mean, it's just like you're loving your sister or loving your mom. You know, you are willing to show that love towards someone else. We have to get that clear. But if we were to go to Ephesians 5, where we're just about how men are supposed to love their wives. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or, or any such thing that she might be holy without blemish <clears throat> in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as christ does the church so the thing I want to be clear is that if we were to take what Jesus did for the church, well, for his people and for this world, he, he gave up himself for it. He didn't have to, but he did. It's the same matter as how he is towards the church. Okay. Same as we men should be towards our wife. And the thing is, I, I, I really believe that one of the main issues that we have a lot today with men is they're not being selfish, they're being selfish. It's always about me, 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 me. It's always about my position and power. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. It's like that big concept that we need to be overleading our women instead of leading our women. Because there is a line to me of crossing that we need to be very careful. We're not kings over our family. We're leaders. So as men and, and our wives, we're supposed to love them. That means putting them first. It does not mean we let them walk over us. It does not mean we give them the pants in the family and they can do whatever they want. What it means is you love them. So you're there for them. You fill up her car for her when she didn't think, think you noticed. Or you let her know how beautiful she is at a random moment. You're willing to help out when you can. You go and take her out for dinner. Or if she wants to go shopping, she hints how she wants to do something. And you just go with her. See, the idea is that if we actually spend the time showing forms of love outside of romance it's called a relationship see the thing is when i see and i hear about divorce a lot of times when i hear about divorce there's no relationship it's a lot of well he didn't do this she didn't do this or um i just fell out of love with him or 
it's always it's about the money. There's always all these all these different excuses of why they got divorced. And this is not including the ladies or the men who have been abused. This is just those divorces that should not have happened. These are divorces that people were just looking for a way out, not because they wanted to fix their their marriage or they didn't want to um, work it out. They just wanted to get out because the, the whole romanticness that they had at one point, quote unquote, disappeared. So therefore, they don't want to chase after each other because they never fully understood what it meant to be in love. We have totally like Hollywooded it. We've created hallmarked love idea that we romanticize it in such a way <clears throat> that it's almost like a book, non-realistic and doesn't last. It's very temporary. And a lot of times, I mean, that's like what sin is like. Sin is a temptation that you have activated on and it's only a temporary okay feel that you get out of it. And I think that's one of the things we as men forget how to love our wives because we're always looking for the romance or the sex or the relationship on the romantic side more than actually the relationship, like a friendship. That's why I always tell people that if you're going to date someone, you're dating that person because you believe that someone you would want to marry but then you also kind of get to know them because if you don't know them, you don't have that relationship with them. When that gushy gushy time, the the like what people call it, the honeymoon time, disappears, what do you have? Because you're not going to be having sex every day. You're not going to be having romantic dinners every day. You're not going to be talking on the phone for two to three hours together. Okay, dating is that is that formula. Form, I guess formula system that you follow towards marriage that's why I always tell people you should never date anyone unless you think you want to marry them well how am I supposed to get to know them you hang out with them I mean we've all made friends right we all know what it's like to make friends we didn't date them we hung out with them we got to know them we talked to them you, you can learn a lot about people when you start asking questions that's the other thing so many shows we watch, there's like two people, they're in love. Oh, I can't wait to be married. And then you find out one side's like, usually the woman, you know, I can't wait to have children. And then they suddenly go to the guy side and he's saying, I don't want to have children. And the first thing that each person says, did you ask the other one what they thought? Well, no, because we're dating. And that's the thing is, those are questions you should be asking even before you're dating. When you rather be in a relationship that is more online of what you were looking for as a goal together versus finding after you've been dating for six seven months a year that oh you know jim doesn't want to have kids and this whole time i thought he did because he never said anything well because you guys never asked those type of questions you know you want the picket white fence he'd rather live on a houseboat she wants to live out in a cabin in the middle of the forest. So you rather live in the city. These are things that you don't you need to talk about and people don't do it. <clears throat> like how many kids do you want to have? Do you want to have animals? Um, do you want to buy rent apartment? Do you want to buy a house? Like, like all these type of conversations should be a part of that. Are you going to do finances together or are you going to do separate? Which I, I think joint 
finances is how it should be because there should be no hiding. There's more accountability being together than there is not. That's, I mean, these are discussions you should be at talking. That's the point of loving someone because you're getting to know them. And just like you want yourself, you know, I mean, technically our sin nature is we're, we're very selfish. That's where we go all the time. And that selfishness, if you were to flip it around and you put it towards your wife, you should be wanting to know all about her and thinking about her and doing things for her. That's where some of the Hallmark stuff or even the movies that we watch, you could learn some techniques of loving on your wife or your girlfriend by surprising her with flowers or making her dinner or taking her somewhere special that, that was special to you. But you got to throw out the expectations. I think that's a big thing in, in marriages. Expectations. If you don't talk, there's going to be a lot of expectations. This is the time, guys, if you're dating someone or you're married, start asking questions. Get to know your wife. Get to know your girlfriend. If you're single, write down questions that you think would be good as you get to know this person down the road where there seems to be that interest where dating would be more of what you want to do because you may want to marry that person. Write it all out. Be prepared. And so the second thing is being an example. I think this is one of the biggest and toughest things for men because a lot of men don't want to be the attention, for example. I've heard many men who always say, you know, my wife has her thing in the house. I have mine. I go to work. I provide and I come home. And then I just want to chill. To me, there's nothing wrong with chilling. But if you haven't seen your kids in a while, you should probably give them some attention. You know, especially if you work long hours a day or you like you leave so early that you don't get to see your family by the time you get home. I get it. You're tired. Take a half an hour. Take an hour and chill out. Then I would actually encourage you to spend a couple hours with your kids if you could. And if your wife doesn't like doing similar things like you do, you make time for her too. Because the thing is, the selfishness in us is, I'm tired, I want to come, I just don't want to do anything. I want to do my hobby, whether it's gaming, modeling, going out, shooting a bow and arrow, or gun shooting, or working on carpentry, working in my car. Like, there's so many hobbies that guys like to do that is okay. There's nothing wrong with those hobbies, but make sure you make time for your family, which goes to the idea of examples. Okay. In Galatians six, nine, and 10, these verses stood out to me. Um, the whole concept of this part of the verse is talking about brothers. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on your, on your selfless, you, you to be tempted. So it's, it's talking about feeling your transgressions. But later on, it says, verse 9, and let us go, let us not grow weary of doing good. Okay. So it was talking about deception, doing transgressions. We need to watch our flesh because it's always wanting to do corruption. But it says, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, 
especially those who are of the household of faith. So even though this is talking about the church, remember the church concept of leadership and the body should be at home too. Because you're supposed to lead the home as Christ leads the church. So by example, we have to be careful as men to watch what we do. I've met several men who got into pornography because their dad did it. Or the big brother was doing it, which they learned probably from dad. And see, the thing is that your example affects your family. So how you're leading at home affects your family. If you're struggling in sin, it affects your family. Your son is watching you if you have kids. Other young men are watching you. It doesn't even have to be inside your home. It could be when you're at church. It could be people at work. Because it's always interesting to me when I run into people who call themselves Christians, men especially, but they're out drinking, getting drunk, cussing like a pirate, and talking about women because the men that they're with do the same thing. That's why it's so important to be around people who are going to keep you accountable, but also going to keep you upright because you will be influenced by the enemy and by the wrongdoings. So by being an example, you're showing your son, you're showing your wife the type of men you want to be around because you want you want that because you don't think they don't notice when you're hanging out men who talk about women as items as sex tools you don't think your wife notices that sees that in you because what it starts doing it gets you to start looking around and not at your wife and you don't think your son is watching you your daughter seeing how you treat other women but your son sees how what a man's supposed to be but this is how you act this is why it's very important for you to be an example of a leader to your family. Because it's easy to not do good. It's harder to do good because doing bad is for me, 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 me. How I feel, how I feel good makes me feel better. And that should include everything. Games you do, movies you watch, TV shows, hobbies that you get involved in. All that should factor in and how you're leading your family because those side things that you like to do are being watched. But then it also is how you act at work. Trust me, I've been in a situation where every day it was just cussing. They talked about women. And this was in an office setting because I worked for a company that did HVAC systems. And we were all men except for the secretary. And I always treated that secretary with respect because she was a female and I never jumped into those conversations and I kept myself a distance away. And I could tell you this, after a year, a lot of cool things happened. For one, one Christian got his life back on track and just start like almost like changed the world in that office. And then I had a couple other guys who were dads of daughters and sons who saw how that guy changed, watched how I was, and wanted that. 
And so they chosen to take their one cho- take his son to church, the other one take his family back to church. <coughs> you see, by living upright, doing good, because you're living the example of a leader that you should be as a man. Other people watch, other people see. Let's take a quick break and we'll start up with the next two. Hey guys, welcome back. And we're going to be talking about what it means to be humble and a spiritual leader. So, humility has always been the one thing that I see quite a bit in scripture used, but two, is always seems to be put into a lot of good books towards men. Um, humility is something that I see men struggle the most because they misunderstand humility with confidence. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. Those men who are more elitist than confident. I think there's even a difference between being confident and being prideful. You can have the confidence in doing something because you have the knowledge and understanding, which is kind of an interesting thought. You'll have more confidence in teaching or talking about the gospel if you have more understanding of it. If you don't, that's why you're scared to share the gospel because you don't have the knowledge and understanding. So to get confidence, you have better understanding. Think about it. If there's something that you really love and you really like to do, how confident are you to talk about it? And why is it? Because of how much time and effort you put in to have the knowledge. It's the same thing with understanding the scriptures so that you know how to preach the gospel or teach the gospel or talk about the gospel or share your testimony or be more open to talk about Jesus. Because the more confident you are, the more willing you're willing to share. So when people say, well, I, well, I don't have a, a Bible degree, so I, I can't do that. kind of, Yeah, it doesn't. You don't need that, you know. Studying your Bible is enough for you to gain understanding and knowledge to be able to talk to people, going to church, asking questions. That's why, to me, Bible study groups, especially men's groups and women's groups that are out there that you can participate that are good, solid groups, are very, very helpful because you can ask the questions if you're struggling with your marriage, you're struggling with something. From a woman's perspective, all the women can come together and talk about Responses are ways to be able to get through or talk about situations. So, humility. Okay. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 came to my mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. So one of my things about humility and being a leader is pay attention to other people around you. One of the things I kind of noticed with bad leaders is all they care about is themselves. Though you may talk to them and say, oh, no, I love other people. I know I care about them. But words are cheap. Actions are louder. When someone's struggling and you don't even notice that they're struggling, 
And then when you finally do, you still don't even do anything that's helpful. I mean, a good example I had, someone in the church was struggling. I was, I sat next to them and we talked and she, they shared their, their issue. And then I tried to get the pastor to come and all he did was sit there and he listened and he said, I'm sorry. And I waited a few seconds and I said, well, maybe it would be a good idea if we prayed. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, we could do that. And so he prayed. And when he was done praying, he was done. He walked away. And I sat there thinking to myself, is this what ministry really is? This is, this is how you minister people because it doesn't seem right. Because after that, I text, I checked up, I even called on that person, see how they were doing, see where they're at. I prayed with them. I visited with them. Why? Because it was a little bit more than just listening and praying and being done. You see, there is a big difference in putting other people first in the situation. That's why I think it's harder for us. I think like the saying, God gave us two ears to hear and one mouth to talk. Because the idea is that we need to hear more, talk less. Humility is understanding one, other people have a significant role in life, not just you. You're not the center of the world. Okay. Two, I think there's overboarding and taking on humility to a point of self-righteousness. So if you go and do a great job singing a song at church and a bunch of people tell you how, you know, oh, so awesome, you did such a great job and you constantly say, it's, you know, it's just God, it's just God. It's okay to accept a praise for your ability that God gave you. But it's also okay to tell people, hey, you know, it's all about God, but thank you. For, for recognizing my gift. Thank, you know, thank God for that gift. You know, always emphasize the idea that God, and like God's pers- like God's part in your gift, but don't just overly like, oh, no, it's not me. Like, well, it is you because God gave you the ability to sing. Not everybody can do that. You know, that's a blessing. You know, thank God for that gift. But we got to be careful how far we go. But at the same time, if you're all about, oh, yes, I'm so amazing. I am so great. I have the best voice in the world. You start focusing on that, that's pride. Now you're going into crossing line, which is what most of the time most of us men run into with other men. I remember in high school, you had those type of guys where you just wanted to see them get run over and on play. Or, you know, you you were hoping that you could maybe get that nice little hit on them in football. Because, you know, you just can't stand people who are overly emphasizing their capability to a point where it makes you angry and not like, Hey, that's an awesome gift. That's when us men have to recognize and pull back a bit and say, you know, am I helping others or am I hurting others? That's why it says do nothing from selfish ambition. You should not be doing it to see other people in misery. You should not be doing it to, hurt other people because you know how better you are which is a high temptation even for me as a person you know if i can 
I'll beat someone, it's because I was bullied a lot. So when I was good at something, I wanted to emphasize it a bit. Because there was a lot of confidence. Okay, so here's the thing. In humility, we should have a confidence. But it should not, as verse 3 says, do nothing for selfish ambition and deceit. You got to remember, you got to understand, when we cross the line into selfishness, then it's not being humble anymore. Because you can have the confidence to preach and teach and talk to people, the counsel to pray, whatever it may be. You can have confidence in your hobbies, you know, video games that you play, you know, how good you are with hunting. It could be any of that kind of stuff. But you got to be careful you don't cross that line. You don't make that mistake where you are just being selfish or humility. And being at home... You need to always make sure you take that type of mindset with how you treat your family, how you treat your, your wife, how you treat your kids. Because you can push too much with your kids to the point where it hurts them. It doesn't give them the confidence to do better. Because I've also seen that in some guys' mentality and how they treat other people thinking, well, in my greatness, we'll get other men to do better. And that's not how it should be. Because one of the things I see in leadership, how we're supposed to be as leaders, is we should always be striving for people to be better than us. But even as I become a pastor, if there's a guy who preaches better than me, I want him to preach better than me. I don't want him to always be underneath me. We should not be creating a capsized glass ceiling to keep people underneath us out of fear. Because just because so-and-so might be a better preacher, he may be ready to go and start his own church. And we need to encourage him to do that. And Because that's one of the things. I want to build up men to be senior pastors of churches that we plant. And encourage them to do it. Because that's how it should be. We should not be cutting people off because... I don't want them to be better than me. That's not how we should look at it. And especially as a pastor or a teacher of, at the church or a leader at the church, you should always want to see people succeed where you cannot. Because if you keep under the glass ceiling that you had, then we're always going to have people not going anywhere. That's why the number one thing I hate the most when pastors tell people who feel like they're being called, go to school and then we'll talk. No, mentor them. Talk with them, spend time with them, pray with them, ask them why they think they are being called, and then encourage it. Humility is not about being the top. Humility is about having the confidence of being at top of others, be there for others, to encourage others, while still taking the understanding of the gifts that God has given you and being blessed with it. Number four is being a spiritual leader. I honestly think this is the key thing for connecting all three or taking all four because it's very important for us as men to lead our families, not only in the physical leadership role, but in the spiritual one. Now I'm going to be using in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 12. These are the qualifications of overseers and qualifications of deacons, okay? Um, it starts out, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. 
the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert. He may become puffed up with deceit, conceit, and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace into the snare of the devil. Deacons likewise must be significant, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they approve themselves blameless. Their, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their household well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I will say this. One of the things about these two things, these are for church leaders, leadership positions in the church. Now, this does not mean this is how we're supposed to be at our home because I know there's people that are from divorce and have been remarried and are great couples and love each other. So I'm not saying the perfect husband-wife situation is one who has never been married before, okay? Or a wife who's never been married before. But what I want to point out is the characteristics that they are asking for these people I think should be even in any man. In verse 1 through 5, it's very well with how a man, a godly man, should be. Spiritual leader. And the reason is because a spiritual leader is one who leads his home. But to lead well... He needs to be a man who is godly, upright, trustworthy, honors God, obeys his word. And that's what this is basically identifying. There's specifics, which is why someone who has chosen these positions would have to be specific. Even in the deacon section, there's something specific. I, I like The Bible teaches us not to get drunk. So right there, it says not addicted to too much wine. In other words, not be overly a drinker. Not greedy for dishonest gain. So the idea is that we as men should not be chasing after money. We should not be chasing after power. We should not be chasing after all this. And these things that they have in these scriptures. So the idea is to keep ourselves sober and faithful. We should be um, self-controlled, respected, hospital, be able to teach, not be drunk, not violent, for, but gentle, not coarsome, not even a lover of money. Has manage his own household well. I mean, that those are things that we should be doing as men, period, whether you're a pastor or not. That's why I think this is vitally important. Why you, if you're not leading by a good example, and if you're not leading with a loving, loving heart, if you're not being humble, then you're not going to be a spiritual leader in your home. 
Because our confidence should be in our growth and our walk. It should be a reflection of our relationship with Christ. And if you're not doing that, then you're missing out. If you've been wondering why it's so hard to lead your home, ask yourself, am I spending time in God's word? Am I praying? Am I growing? Am I stopping from like sins that I know that are in my life still that I still do? Am I being sober-minded? Am I showing self-control? Am I being respectable? Am I being hospitable? Am I being teach able to teach and teachable? Am I, am I a lover of money over my family? How involved am I with my kids? Am I just ignoring them when I get home and just doing my own thing? Am I using the excuse, well, that's my, my wife takes care of the household, I just bring in the money? Because that's why you're not leading. Just because you make money for the family doesn't make you the boss. Doesn't make you the leader. There's plenty of other verses that we can go through for all these pieces. But I just took ones that I think that fit well with what I wanted to say. Because this is what God wanted you to hear. I'm not really big on picking up like four points and stuff like that because I, I I don't know what it is, but it's not usually my thing. But this just stood out to me yesterday when I was when I was going through this that there is basically more points that we could add to this list, but these four stood out to me the most because of what I've seen, what I've lived, and what I'm hoping to be. You know. I'm not an emotional person, but I know how to cry and I know how to feel feelings. As some people would put it, there's nothing wrong with that. But I also understand what it means to be example. I was really big about being an example. I wasn't going to, I, I, I led the football team in high school and my senior year, I took some time to mentor. That's why I am telling you mentorship and discipleship is so important in the church but you also should be doing that to your family you should be mentoring your son with the same vigor as you do for other men in your church this is the connection through all of this and then to be humble your your son should be able to look and see that when a, when a guy comes up pushing you and getting in your face you have the guts to tell that guy to back off and you have the guts to tell him to stay away from you and to stay away from your son without having to do the fist first. The guy attacks, you defend yourself. Your son needs to see that. Humble person is not out looking for blood, not trying to prove honor or respect because the other person disrespect me. Now I need to show him who's boss. That's not biblical and that's not being a man. That's a coward and a weak, weakling. And I know that's in a lot of men's teachings today. Someone disrespects, I need to show them who's boss. So I'm going to get in their face first. This flying, knock the snot on them until they're unconscious so that they remember who I am. That's not what God taught. 
God taught us to not fight unless we have to. Your son should see that. How you treat your wife. When you're angry at your wife, how do you treat her? Your son needs to see that. When you're hurting and your wife is hurting, your son needs to see that. You see, our examples and how we live reflects down into our children. And yes, they may not grow up to be exactly like us, but they're going to remember things that they see, that they hear, and what you do that's going to stick with them. And that could be negative or positive. That's why being the spiritual leader of your home means you have to make time, effort, and work to grow, to learn, and to teach. This is why it's important to get into a men's group, a real good men's group that's willing to pray with each other, study together, grow together, encourage together, to cry together, to help each other keep accountable together. It's very vital. And if you don't have that, then your church is missing out because no one's perfect and no one's having a best time of their life while going through pain and agony and hurt and falling into sin and no one there to help them keep accountable. You got to be there for each other. That's all I have to say. I'm going to pray real quick. I hope I hope this is a, an eye-opener for some people or, or at least an encouragement and help. But I think we're going to pray. Dear Holy Father, thank you for this time. I ask that you move men today. I pray that you transform their mindsets, that they stop thinking like the typical man of the world, but start thinking like a man of God, leading their families with a loving heart, living by example, being humble and leading spiritually as a spiritual leader. Help them to study your word. Help them to study you and their prayers and their and their meditation time um, to seek out, I guess you could say, help from other men, um, speak with their pastor. Help them to truly grow, to know you, to love you, so that they may lead their family with that confidence, understanding. Thank you for all that you do to provide. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I will see you guys next time.